JJ, it, can I like, I mean, earlier, I've never got to sit back here where you're sitting. And uh, I mean, I didn't, you might want to find out what I'm going to do first, but I, I got here earlier and they were praying. I sat down right there and I opened my eyes and there's all these buttons, dude. <laughs> it's like, how many of y'all like buttons? Anybody like buttons? I like looked at all these buttons and Chris was like putting my microphone on and inside I could hear him. He doesn't even have to speak. He's like, oh, please, Jesus, don't let him touch those buttons. Oh, please, Jesus, don't. Especially if I don't can't remember all the ways he twists and turns them. And I'm looking on the computer and there's touch screen and there's mouses and buttons. And man, how many of y'all get excited when you see that kind of stuff? Yeah, especially if you don't know what it does. <laughs> it's like, I like to experiment and kind of find out, but I was sitting there and I was thinking, God, why are you letting me like just focus on these buttons right now? And I remember it was a lot like when our first baby was, our first baby was delivered. Man, when the doctor handed me that guava cream cheese pastry covered baby and asked if I wanted to cut the umbilical cord. And I'm like, no, dude, I got insurance, man. You do it. I don't want you to mess up the belly button, man. <laughs> my mom said that was important. You know, I had all, that's what was going on in my mind when that happened. But, but man, I just remember it was like sitting behind there with all those buttons. Chris, why don't you want me to touch those buttons? Why? Go ahead. It's good. You can say it. <laughs> You don't want me to mess it up. I am not an expert and you are. You you have like tweaked it and played with you. Man, you have experienced what it means to make the button uh, knob go here and here and here and here. And you guys have found the right settings, man. You know how to tweak it all. JJ's like, yep, you're not the first Yahoo to mess with my computer programs and me have to fix it. It's like, but do you want to keep fixing it when it's messed up? No, it would be much easier if we would just leave the job to the experts, right? So I did not touch any of y'all's buttons, just for the record. I I, I sat there and I wanted to, but I was like, you know, I'm not the expert. And and again, it made me remember, that's how I kind of felt when when Ashley was put in our arms, uh, however many years, what, 29 years ago, yeah. And and I felt like I was sitting in the cockpit of a 747. To some of y'all, that doesn't even matter. I felt like I was sitting behind that counter like, there's so many buttons. What do we do? How do we do this? I don't know what to do. I don't got, you know? Anybody ever feel that anxiety when they had a baby handed to them? <laughs> Anybody feel that now? If I hand one to you, Ralph, if I put a baby, here, Ralph, watch this baby. Skip your pickleball game and take care of this baby for, what? What do I do now? And, and but again, who do we leave the job up to? The experts. Let me ask you a question. Who is the expert of everything? God is the expert of everything. How many of y'all think you have a little bit of expertise in something over God? Just something, your specialty. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm better at God than this. I'm better at God. Gavin, are you, are you, do you have an expert forehand throw out on the disc golf course over God? Can God throw a forehand better than you? Yes, he can. God does not toss it up and let it loose and, and let the wind blow it in the lake, man. I'm just, unless he wants to. I'm just saying, God is the expert at everything, and so we need to see what the expert says about things. And so, as we now have jumped into Ephesians chapter six, we'll be looking at children obey your parents. Parents, man, teach your kids how to obey. That's what we're going to look at today. Uh, next week, we'll probably be. Uh, you know, employees, em, em, obey your employers. And employers, man, make it so they can do that. And y'all can be successful in this. 
through submission. That's what we've been learning about. We previously learned about wives obey, it's not obey, but wives submit to your husbands because you have that position on the team. It's your position, you submit to the mission. You get under the mission. You're not lining necessarily up under a person, but under the mission. And if you choose to be married to somebody, you have a mission and you don't get to define your roles. God does. And if you can't line up under the mission that God has given you and your family, man, don't get married. But children didn't have a choice in all of this, right? (laughs) They didn't have a choice in it. And so today when we look at children obey your parents, it's going to be interesting in all of that. And then it's kind of cool after we finish that, I think JJ is going to preach then. And uh, after we finish that, and then we're going to come back and look at the armor of God and we'll be done with Ephesians. And then I'll tell you where we'll go after that. But in this, we're looking at children obey your parents in this. And um, it can be scary with all those buttons. What am I going to do with this? I remember when Ashley was born and they put I thought it was going to be a guy. It was going to be a boy. And man, dude, I know all about boys. God, I don't need your help raising a boy. That was what I thought immediately. And then he hands me a girl and I'm like, I don't know nothing about raising girls. And again, I shared with you the prayers God gave me right then and there. He gave me a prayer for my family that I pray for my children and then my grandchildren. I pray this prayer because he gave it to me when you were sitting there in that guava cream cheese fashion with the umbilical cord still attached. And I was not touching that thing. Have I ever touched your umbilical cord? No, and I'm not going to. All right. I'm just saying. (laughs) So anyways, in that, I said, God, how do I even pray for her? And the first prayer was, God God said, why don't you pray that she gets closer to me, closer to me every single day. And, and, And then she wasn't even saved then. In fact, she was a sinful little mess like all babies are. Oh, you think they're cute, but they come into the world as an enemy to God, wanting what they want, not what God wants. And so, and so, man, I saw the selfishness right away. I mean, dude, we're trying to sleep. I'm at my first new pastorate over in Webster, Florida. And, and, and you, man, it, we tried to be nice and let you be in a bassinet right in our room, but you wouldn't stop crying at night. So we put you all the way on the other side with monitors, and I, don't, I didn't hear anything, but <laughs> mom, mom heard it. But yeah, I mean, what did Ashley do when she was hungry in the middle? What do you do when you're hungry in the middle of the night? You wake up. Hey, Julia, when you're hungry in the middle of the night, you wake Sean up and say, hey, can you make me something? Oh, you do? You selfish little baby. I'm just, no, I'm just saying. You go, wah, wah, and the kids get up. You're like, make me some peanut butter. Make me some. No, we wait. We're patient. We know. We love others more than we love ourselves. And especially once we're born again, we love God. He calls us to love others, and we come last. But the benefit is in that love. And, but when we come in the world, if we've got a problem, man, man, we, we want our needs met. It's got to be taken care of right then and there. And, and so, man, I was praying like a madman. God, make her closer to you so we can sleep. No, it wasn't. It's like, have you been praying there for Alana? Yeah, in that way? God, make her closer to you. Make her, but uh, uh, seriously, up through salvation, man, make her closer to you. And, 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 and God, give her the desire and ability to surrender her life to you. Give her grace to have faith to be saved. Like, like Roger prayed for this baby, for that baby's salvation. You know, pray for that. Is there anything more important you can pray for than that they get closer to God? And, and, and you can do this for your grandkids. You do this. Man, how many of y'all got rotten neighbor kids? 
You know what I'm saying? Rotten neighbor kids, dude. I'm saying, you know what? All you're looking for is a reason to yell at them. Why don't you start praying for them? But don't lay hands on them unless you get a permission from their parents, okay? I'm just saying. My granny had a way of laying shovels on people, but that was before our litigious world that we live in. But my prayer was, God, let them be closer to you. Next prayer was, God, would you, would you create them to be a godly mate? God, help them become a godly mate one day. So as they get closer to you, prepare them to be a godly mate. Pray for your kid to be the kind of husband or wife that their husband and wife would be needing. And wouldn't it be cool if the other parents are praying the same thing and they get hooked up? It's like, woo! And they ain't saying that's always going to happen and that's how it's got you. But I'm just saying, that's what I'm praying for. God, help them become a godly mate. But in that same prayer, God, I'm praying for for their mate. I'm praying that you prepare for them a godly mate. So I'm praying on both ends, man, praying on both ends for that. And every single day, you got time to pray for this because it's important. Pray to get closer to God. Pray that he prepares them to be a godly mate and pray that God would prepare a godly mate for them. That's how I knew. I told you this before. That's how I knew when I was shooting guns and JJ asked if he could date her. I knew it was like, yeah. And when he asked if he could marry her, I was shooting guns in a, in a secluded place. I could have taken him out. And I was like, no, he's the guy. He's the guy. I really wasn't going to do that, y'all. Some of y'all like, oh, then we're on the World Wide Web. And did we get cut off of Facebook yet? Again? <laughs> no, all right. But anyways, but JJ's the guy because God gave me a peace, man. Gave me a peace about that. And I, I praise God for that. But the third prayer was he'd give him the desire and ability to do right now what he's going to call him to do in life. And I didn't understand that when he gave it to me. Give him the desire and ability to do right now what you're going to call him to do in life. And you know what that is? That's on-the-job training. What that means is helping them see, help, give, giving them opportunities to do things so that whatever they're doing now is training for what they're going to be doing. And that's training for what they're going to be doing. So you know right now that God already does that. And you have been prepared your whole life for what you're doing right now. God prepared you your whole life to be Bob's wife out in Okeechobee, right? To play golf every day. No, I'm just messing with y'all. Yeah, he's prepared you for that. But in playing golf with Bob out there, he's preparing you for what you will do next. He's constantly preparing us. And I didn't understand that till years of praying that. God, Give them the desire and ability right now to do what you're going to call them to do in life. And it's so cool to look back at their childhood and see the things they were interested in. I'm not going to betray any real bad stories or anything, although I could, <laughs> of what they did, what they did, and how they've turned out and what they do now. It's OJT. So I'm going to say, if you don't have anything else to pray for your kids, pray for those three things. But the point of it all is go to your expert. God is the expert in this. And so if you want a easier illustration on what to do when you've got all those buttons in front of you, there's a, an anonymous letter. I put it on Facebook last week. It was a, I didn't write this, although I could have because I've been preaching this for a while, and I've tried, but I am such an imperfect parent. How, what two kids in here would admit that I am an imperfect parent? Yes, these two right here, <laughs> and, and, and they would be lying in church if they didn't, but you, if you aim at nothing, you hit it. You got to have a target, right? And for those of you that are, some of you guys are saying, well, I don't have kids. What relevance is this to me? And uh, But you are a child of God. So when it says, children, obey your parents, man, obey your parent, your heavenly father. You can learn about this relationship through this. And we'll get to that in just a second. 
But I want to read you this letter. Many of you read it when I put it on Facebook, and it's, uh, it's still there. I'll set, text it to you if you want it. But this is what I've heard at funerals, in day in and day out of doing funerals. Not so much anymore, but when I did funerals of people, rich people, poor people, famous people, not famous people, whatever, just funerals of people of all socioeconomic statuses. Man, this is what I heard at the funeral and at the end. I didn't hear anybody say, Oh, dude, man. Yeah, that guy, he busted it, man. He put in triple overtime all the time. He worked, man, I was so glad. My daddy worked all the time and was never at home. And I was, and again, I'm not saying anything. If you have to do that, if you're in a phase, you gotta, man, whatever time you put into that job, you better put it into your family. Our priorities, number one priority we have, and we can get our priorities upside down. Who is our number one priority in life, y'all? God. And now I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about Bible study. I'm not talking about me. I am talking about your personal walk with God. I don't care who you are. Number one priority in life is God Almighty. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, saying, God, you are my king, and what is it you want me to do? And I'm going to do it right now. If God asks you to do something right now, Chris, will he give you the ability to do it? Right then and there. And, and it's like, so what do you want me to do now, God? Do it. What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. That, that priority, you spend time in his word. You may have to get up at some weird hour. You may have to stay up late. But how important is it to take care of your first priority? It's crucial. And the world and the devil and your flesh do not want you to do this. That's why I shared last week. And by the way, those of you who've been sending me your Proverbs, it has blessed me. Man, it's so good to receive that from you. If you just knowing you've been in the word, knowing you just sent me the proverb, and it's like, yes, amen. And again, for those of you who weren't here last week or didn't get on the train or whatever, uh, if you're reading other stuff, great, whatever, but this is something you can even do in addition, and you will benefit from it. I guarantee you will benefit from it in every relationship of your life. If you are, if you will read whatever the date is in Proverbs, today is what? The fourth today? So you go home and read chapter four of Proverbs. Just sit down and read it with a telescope, not a microscope, right? Right, Bar? Uh, with a telescope, not a microscope, man. Read through it and ask God to make one passage stick out to you. That one little passage that sticks out, write it down, take a screenshot, get a tattoo, whatever you want, whatever you have to do, man, get it for that day to look at it. And think about it all day. Meditate on that one little passage all day. And I'll guarantee you, on the authority of God's word, you will have an opportunity to apply it. You might not even know what it means, but wouldn't that be cool by the end of the day? You, at the end of the day, you're like, oh, dude, that's what that means. But guess who showed it to you? God Almighty showed you it. You didn't have to go to a commentary. You didn't have to go to a Bible study. You didn't have to go. Yeah, these things are all great, and I'm not saying anything against that, but there's no substitute for you being in the Word of God yourself. No substitute at all. That's like having a bowl of food and eating it yourself. How many of y'all be in trouble if you didn't get to do that? <laughs> if, if your food was only intravenous, that wouldn't be very good, would it? Or what if someone's over there saying, okay, open up for the choo-choo train. Here it goes, right? But that's where many Christians are. Instead of just opening the Word and letting God show it to you, do it in Proverbs because it is an instruction book. It, it's lessons set up to, on parenting, period. But it's lessons set up on being wise and the definition of wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. Learning how to see everything that's going on from God's perspective. Just read it. 
And if nothing sticks out, say, God, I'm going to read it one more time. Show me something. And if you're not getting anything, man, call me. Let me know. I'm not going to make funny. I'm going to help you do it because I've never met anyone that has read it and something didn't stick out. Now, I've met a bunch of people that search for God the way a robber searches for a bank robber. <laughs> they read it and like, ooh, I don't want that verse. Ooh, what I mean, I, I didn't find a verse that I really liked. But you know there's one glaring there that you've got you to do. I had a couple of those this week. Read it. And that is how you start that priority with God because you've got to be praying while you're reading. And, and again, you can do whatever you want, but man, no substitute for being in the Word of God. That's your first priority. You seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And what does He add to y'all? Everything. Well, how, what is everything, Karen? What are you missing? Nothing. 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 So how can you afford not to make this investment? How can you afford not to make it? It's an investment in your time and in your relationship with God Almighty. Isn't that pretty cool that you can actually have a relationship with God Almighty? God Almighty. He's Almighty. Jason, if He's Almighty, how much might does He have? All. And if He has all the might, how much might do you have? None. <laughs> exactly. He's all my. He wants a relationship with you. And we can have it through his word. So that's your number one priority. You're going to be praying. You'll be reading his word. And he's going to give you stuff to do. Somebody, a lot of times people ask me, well, how do you hear from God? How does God speak to you? What do you do? Because a lot of people aren't used to that kind of terminology, whatever. And he's never going to speak to me and ask me to do something against his word. I'm never going to have new revelation from God that's not in his word. But the way he speaks to me is he gives me a verse and, he, and I ask him, I say, God, what do you want me to do with this now? God, how do I apply this? What do you want me to do with this verse? And then he shows me through the opportunities, through the situations, he shows me and I know he has now spoke and he has given me clear direction. You want to hear God? Man, go to his instructions and let him speak. Say, what do you want me to do with right now? with just this little bit that I've just shared with you. Say, what do you want me to do with this? How many of y'all just heard God say, do it? <laughs> Not because the guy in front of you had Nike shoes on, but I'm just even can speak to you through that too. Just do it. All right, that's number one priority. But you know what? Your number two priority is your family. Number two priority is your family. How many of y'all ever figured out? How many of you ever sold your soul to a company? Or I even did it to a church, a couple of churches. I've only been to four churches prior to this one. 60 years old, now I've been to four. I've been there a long time. And no matter how long you're there, you know what? One guy, when I was getting ready to resign, this guy, oh, wise old man of God. I was at a church, man. They loved me. Everything was good. He, I said, I'm going to resign because and, and, I'm moving on this other whatever where God's moving me. He said, as soon as you resign, you are going to be a lame duck. I'm like, what? He said, you're, you're going to be a lame duck. Nobody's going to listen to a word you got to say. Nobody's going to care about what you said. No. And, and in fact, truth be known, at that church, I didn't even get my last paycheck. <laughs> they swore they gave it to me, but they didn't. But anyways, I'm not complaining because God has paid me over, over, well over that. But the fact is, he said, when you leave, you're going to be a lame duck. I was like, oh no, that's not true. Unless I strive very hard afterwards to not be a lame duck in that. But he said, once you go, you're a lame duck. I announced my resignation. Guess what? It was like, hey, oh yeah, they're over here to whoever's the new person in charge. <laughs> How many of you ever sold your soul to a company to find out they can replace? How many of y'all know they can replace you like that? You're important, dude. Boom. Kevin, you're important, MFI. They got, man, yes, you are. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you, you're one of the personalities. How could you be anywhere and not be a personality, right? I'm just saying, but how do, but do they, could they not replace you in a heartbeat, dude? 
And any one of you in your corporate positions, in any one of your positions, they can replace you in a heartbeat, and they will. Because they can get anybody to do your job. You know who can't get anyone to do your job? Your wife, your kids, your husband. If you're, hey, Carissa, who's the only one that can be your daddy? No one else can be your daddy? He's the only one that can be your daddy, right? So who's the only one that can be Chris's daddy? At, at work, can they get anybody to replace you to do your job? Oh, dude, and they will like that, especially when they get them cheaper. Yeah, and they're younger and faster and quicker. And Anyway, I'm just, you'll see it. No, I'm just, <laughs> but you're the only one who can be her daddy. Man, so how, what's the best way to be her daddy? By taking care of that first number one priority, which is your relationship with God. Because if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything you need is added unto you, including how to be the best daddy. But to be the best daddy, what do you got to be to Kim? The best husband. Because first thing he says before even being a daddy, and I know the world's got this backwards, and I'm not saying that you have, who did it backwards or in the middle backwards or no people did it backwards from the way God designed it aren't doing a good job. But the fact is it's backwards if you don't have a husband or a wife first. And then you had the kids. That's the way God designed it. And I'm not saying you're not doing a good job. I'm not saying you can't, but I'm just saying that's the way God designed it. Is that he designed a husband? He said, leave, leave your parents. They're not your number one priority anymore. And you come together. You come together the way, because God invented marriage, right? It's a picture of our relationship with him. It's a picture of heaven. He invented it. The world says it's not necessary. It's not necessary. But look at the state of the world right now. I'm not saying you can't work, can't be somewhat successful, but man, you can't have it God's way until you do it God's way in that. And and, and so, man, you got to be the very best husband. How are you going to be the best husband? Is being a husband hard? Yeah, you can talk all you want. Now your wife, she's she's down there working with kids? Dude, brave. These guys can't be brave. Their wives are sitting next to them right now. No, I'm just joking, but (laughs) I talked big with my wife back there, man, but she's back there. (laughs) But literally, man, is it hard to be a husband sometimes? Yeah, you understand women? You, good, because otherwise you're a liar and a half, man. All you can do is say, God, what do you want me to do now? And do it. And God, show me how to love my wife. God, show me how to love my husband. God, show me how to love my neighbor or whatever, but especially the husband-wife thing. Because who are you and your wife teaching love to? The kids. Yeah. In all that. So you got to, your number one priority is God. Your number two priority is your family, starting with your wife, then going down to the kids. Don't get that mixed up. And, and, and understand your wife has to put a lot of effort, energy, and everything into being that. And sometimes you may feel like a second fiddle, but it's a hard role to, hard role to play in all of that. But your number two priority is your family. And you know what most Christians believe? I go to church. The, I went to three different churches. And every church I went, or four, and I told every one of those that when I got there, I said, my priorities are God first, my family second, and my job, which is my calling, third. And everything else is below that. Oh, yes, we believe that, Pastor. That's biblical. But guess what? What if I'm with my family? What if I got a commitment with my family? What if I'm with my family doing something? And again, I'm not talking about emergencies and stuff, but you know what? When people didn't buy into that was when I couldn't be there when they wanted me to be there, when, I, when they thought I should have been there, but yet I had that priority with my family. So in the church world, you got it easy, pastor. Oh, you got it easy. No, church world is the worst place to try to keep those priorities. It's hard. 
because there's so many programs, so many different things, so much, you got to keep priorities. And your family is a number two priority. I would say I lost two jobs, primarily because of my priorities. And I don't regret a single one of them, because you know what? I got stuff money can't buy. I don't want to be in a system that's going to require me to put myself, put, my, put that system over my family. Because you know what? I got two beautiful daughters right here. I got two beautiful grandkids. I got a beautiful son-in-law right here. Beautiful. Look at it, man. <laughs> I got a beautiful wife. Man, they stick by me. I'm just saying they're worth more than a job to you, bro. And, and if you're in a rough spot in a job where you've got to make that, that's, man, you've got to find some tweaking somehow. You, somehow there's got to be a priority. You've got to keep those priorities, or maybe it's not what God wants. And I'm not here to tell you to quit. That's, not, that's between you, your wife, your family, and God in all of that. But you make God your number one priority. Number two is your job, your family. And then number three is, yeah, the job. And the more inflation, the more things we try to have, the more stuff, it's almost impossible to have a family or to have a job where everybody doesn't have to work. It's long gone that we can have a one earner income unless you're in a special position. And I know we have some here, but it's very hard work. Growing up, my wife got to raise my kids for part of the time until they started needing braces and baseball. And then she started being a substitute and, you know, working a little bit. Now she's full-time teacher, man. <laughs> but she got to raise my kids, man. That was pretty important to us. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad if you're not doing it or whatever, but I'm just, and I'm not saying if you don't do it, you're not raised kids, but I am telling you to challenge your, your priorities. Look at your priorities. I will tell you that Marxism, the whole goal of Marxism is to get your kids away from you. The goal of Marxism is to get your kids away from you and get them under a government system from everything from school to medical to every single thing. So every decision is now there. They are being trained to have desires and thoughts and abilities according to what the government wants them to have. And I don't see that as biblical. Because you're going to see this in, in when I do get to the scripture, which I'm fixing to get to. <laughs> I said that last week, didn't I? <laughs> so your number one priority is who, guys? And again, is there any of us in here that have that down pat? Chris, you got that down pat. Sabrina, you got that down pat. Taylor twins, y'all got that down pat. No, I know y'all. No. How about you guys? You guys, how long y'all been married now? And you don't even have that down pat yet after a whole year of doing this? Well, I'm just glad to see you together because the first year of marriage is hardest. <laughs> Adjustments, man. And y'all are doing it. Y'all actually look happy. That's awesome. <laughs> y'all give it up for them. Yeah. But you work at it, right? You work at it, man, and that's what it takes. So number one is, your, is God. And again, I'm just telling you, dude, I'm not saying none of us got this, any of this down perfect, especially me, but I'm saying if you aim at nothing, you hit it. These are our targets, you know? We got young people here that want to be married. How many of y'all young people hope to be married one day? All right, right? You, Marissa, don't go like, stick that hand up there, girl, you know? <laughs> Guys, any uh, tiny, Scott, y'all don't want to ever be married? No, you big liar. <laughs> oh, no, not as long as y'all have mama taking care of you, right? No problem, man. <laughs> I'm messing. But, but yeah, 
I'm saying, you're, start praying for this kind of woman. Start praying for this kind of guy. Become this kind of guy. So you'll find that kind of woman. Man, this is what you're looking for in all of this. But God's your number one priority. Aim for that. Number two priority is who? Your family. And you say, man, well, my family's all gone. I don't have it. And that's one of the problems in Florida. Dude, grandparent used to be people all lived on a clan. They live, you got to go out west of town for that now. All right. Out of Zane's house, right? I'm just saying, man, you got a little, you got like a chunk of land and the whole family for generations is all there. There's still some of that, right, Kevin? But man, people are scattered, dude. And so you're like, well, I don't have family. Who? My grandkids. Dude, do you need a grandkid? Any of y'all need a grandkid? I'll find you a grandkid. I'll find you a grandkid that you could babysit, you could love, and you could be a blessing to those parents as long as you're doing it a godly way. Man, you want a grandkid? You want a kid? You want a... <laughs> How many of y'all want a parent? You're like, no, I was going the other way. I want a parent now. I'm, I'm 86 and I want somebody to take care of me. <laughs> it's like, right? But we need each other. It may not be a, a, a family, a blood-related family, but are we not all connected by the blood of Jesus, y'all? Yeah, we need each other. We got to be together. This is family. That's what it's about. That's why we pray. That's why we share the joys in our prayer requests. We're family in this. You got to talk. You gotta, we're in the family. And so, so in this, family's number two priority. And then the job how we make a living, what we do and all that's number three. And I'm not saying that that's like insignificant, out of the way. And I'm not saying that anybody's got that down either. I'm just saying these are our three priorities and we're striving in this sinful, backwards world that is cursed and is falling apart. You guys know if you're trying to save the world, you're rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic biblically, right? Man, it's like in this cursed world, it's hard to keep those priorities straight. And none of us have it down, but we've got to strive to do it. We got to strive to do it. Terry's not here today. Where's he at? He's driving. He's, oh, he's with the babies. He is here. But sometimes he's traveling. He's got to do that for his job. That don't make him a bad dad. In fact, Karen, what do you call him? Super dad, because you guys know he loves you, don't you? Fernanda, you know he loves you, right? Yeah. And that's what it's about. So anyways, those three priorities, keep those on track. And I'm going to read you this anonymous letter, and then I'm going to get into Scripture, all right? So, and, uh, and, and it's only four verses of Scripture today, like it was supposed to be last week. All right. All right. Listen to this letter. And if you still got anything in you to listen, listen to this letter, because this would be, I think, the letter that every person would like to be able to write at the end of their life. It says, my family's all grown, and the kids are all gone. Anybody identify with that? <laughs> Yeah, my kids are all grown, family's all gone. But if I had to do it all over again, this is what I would do. And this is what this person said. And I've, when I read it, it was just like, you know how many times I have heard this in helping people put funerals together? How many times I've, I've heard it in another way from retired people that to help you set priorities on this? He said, this is what I would do. I would love my wife more in front of my children. Hey, love your wife. What do you got to have? What do you got to have? A wife. I'm just saying, in this world, we don't, we're not doing this. I would love my wife. God designed. I, I talked again this morning to a single mom. And by the way, if you know any resources for single moms helping to feed their kids and government resources, different things. I'm a single mom with a 17-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a four-year-old. 
and it, and I and I can't work. And it's like, it, it's like, I get it, I get it. Where are the daddies at? And I'm not making fun of anything, but I'm just saying this is the way. And I'm not cracking because it stuff happens. But this is what our society is trying to build so people will be dependent upon the government and then they get to raise our kids instead of you. I'm not saying there's not hard system. And if you know some way to help this mom out if she wants this help, then man, you let me know of some resources in this area, all right? But just now, I'm aware that where's the daddy? Which one? And this isn't a funny thing. It's not, it's a where's the daddy? Which one? And I'm like, any of them, none of them are around. Why did you have kids with them? I understand now why you didn't get married, but why did you have kids? Why? And again, there's a million answers, but the fact is, this is not God's design. So that's why we don't have God's product. And, and again, society wants us to have anything but God's product. And so he says, I'd love my wife in front of my children. Much of the inner city, back when I was in Orlando and I was a youth pastor back in the 90s, Anybody remember the 90s? How many of y'all weren't even born in the 90s? <laughs> yeah, there you go, Marissa. I got you guys. Man, I, I, I was a youth pastor from the rough side of Orlando, Pine Hills, Crime Hills, if they called it. It's the crime zone. I grew up there. I was part of what made Pine Hills, Crime Hills before I got saved. That's why when I told people in my class reunion, senior class, they what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. They're like, no, really, what do you do? <laughs> That's why people are still waiting for me to come out of this phase 30-something years later. Because that's who I was, but I was a white guy. I, any of y'all ever watch My Name is Earl? That show, that's where I grew up. My Name is Earl. We were talking about that the other day, right? Or Joe Dirt. That's my life. I'm just saying. <laughs> Life's a garden, dig it. I'm just saying. Dude, that is how I grew up. That's where I was at. And, and I was part of what made Pine Hills Crime Hill. So when God saved me, and I was a youth pastor. We had this thing called an Urban Youth Workers Conference. We'd hold it in Orlando, and there was me, the token white guy. There was another guy named Bobby, who's the token black guy who grew up in the more in the inner in the downtown area. And there was a Spanish dude who was the token Spanish guy. And to, for each other, now some of y'all might think this is racist. Might even get us kicked off. We used to joke about us. They would introduce us now for our vanilla brother, now for our caramel brother, and our chocolate brother. Again, we don't talk that way because we're so hurt by whatever these days. But in reality, we were ministering to the Hispanic culture, the black culture, and the white culture who were all in the same problem, had the same problem. And you know what the problem was? There were no daddies. Every year in this Urban Youth Workers Conference, what our theme was, we had to find a new way to define the theme of this conference. And the problem was the young guys growing up and saying, I'm going to be a man just like my mama. Because the government had become the mama to the lower white kids, Hispanic kids, black kids, all the way around. And guess what? Guess what we took them back to? The expert. And who's the expert? God Almighty. I don't care what color you are, because you know what we learned in the beginning of Ephesians, y'all? God said, you're neither Greek nor Jew. In fact, I'm gonna take everybody, and when you're born again, you're a brand new race. <laughs> you're a brand new race, and you're called Christian. Amen. That's where he took us. You go read Ephesians in that. We already preached on it. But that was what the problem was. I'm going to grow up and be a man just like my mama. Look what we got. It's hard. It's hard to be a daddy, especially when the society's fighting against it. But you're crucial. I'd love my wife more in front of my children. I, I, I would love them. Where else are they going to learn love, bro? 
<laughs> whatever, whatever you do in front of your children, man, they consider that love. That's what they're going to be doing. That's what they're mimicking. That's what they're going to be like one day. Whether they want to or not, that's how they're trained. I would laugh with my children more. How many of y'all laugh with your kids? Not Adam. I'm just, no, I'm just yeah. <laughs> laugh with them. You know what's the funniest thing about laughing with kids? When they mess up, who do they remind you of? Yeah, exactly. Right? That's good. And, and you let them know because sometimes they got you on a pedestal, man. They're perfect. Ooh, I can't mess. No, it's like, no, I, I used to do that. And I used to get my butt beat for it. <laughs> I'm just saying, no, I used to do this and it was. But look, man, this works out much better. They're teaching moments, but laughing with them. Do y'all have laughter in your home? There needs to be some laughter in your home, man. And, 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 and in this, I would, I would love my wife more in front of my children. I'd laugh with my children more. I'd laugh at our mistakes and our joys instead of it just being in the house. Anybody ever grow up in a house? I don't want you to raise your hand. You ever have moments in your house? How about seasons? How about seasons? I know I had seasons in the house where like, ooh, don't do nothing. Don't wake daddy up. <laughs> don't mess my and Because... Well, my day, we had iron, cast iron frying pans, rolling pins, shoes, any of that stuff. But anyways, and it still didn't work on me, man. But look, I would laugh more with my children at our mistakes, at our joys. I would listen more. Oh, we have Alana and Keone on Friday. And in fact, you know, Ashley, it used to be, oh, Friday. Okay, y'all get them Friday afternoon, and then we'll pick them up Sunday, uh, Saturday morning. Or I, I, you were at my house about, what, 10 o'clock on Friday trying to get rid of your kid? No, I'm just messing with you. Now. <laughs> I've been noticing the drop-off times earlier and earlier, but I don't mind. It's okay. I love them. But dude, have a, have a two-year-old and, a, and an almost seven-year-old and, and listen more, even to the littlest child. Could that not just suck the life out of you? I'm just saying. Those kids put inner doubt. I get it while you're trying to drop them off. And that's okay if I'm home. But if Gavin and I are playing disc golf, we're playing disc golf. And when I get home, I'll be home, man. But, but man, it's like they put energy in you, and then they suck that energy right out of you. Can you identify that with kids? Your kids ever do that? They put energy in you, yes, the life, and then, oh, <laughs> you got nothing left. But, dude, how important is that time? You know one thing I remember about my mom so much? Man, my mom never said, that's a stupid question. Now I'm finding out later, she humored me a lot. She gave me bogus answers. <laughs> gave me bogus answers, but she listened. I could ask any question I wanted, and her and I had a relationship. She listened. She listened. That's pretty cool. I'd laugh with my children more at our mistakes, at our joys. I would listen more even to the littlest child. I would be more honest about my own weakness. Man, you're trying to be Superman, and you, you think you don't have any flaws to your family. Who sees them first? Yeah. And, 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 and so what are you trying to raise? Now you're trying to raise kids and people that try to act like they have no flaws. And, and, and now flaws get redefined, and they become part of our normal society instead of What's one of the two most valuable words you can teach your children to say? I'm sorry. That means you messed up. Nobody wants to say that anymore, right? I messed up. I'm sorry. Hey, kids, I messed up. Will you please forgive me? Is that important, Emily? What's it like when your parents mess up and they don't get it? <laughs> don't roll your eyes. Just <laughs> How do you feel? Or do you have more respect when they say, yeah, I screwed up, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Which would you have more respect for? 
Yeah, the second one. Because you already know they're not perfect. They've already blown it in your eyes a million times. They're finally getting it, right? (laughs) But learning how to say, I'm sorry, learning how to say I was wrong. You're teaching your family how to, because until you admit you're wrong, you can't get it right. You're still too prideful living out the wrong action, trying to prove to everybody you were right. Never pretending perfection. I would pray differently for my family. Listen to this. And I'm going to tell you, this is true. I'd pray differently for me. I wouldn't change the prayer God gave me for my children. But instead of focusing on them, I'd focus on me. Have you ever had a prayer time in your family where, dude, oh, please fix Ashley with her situation and fix Emily and, oh, my son, Matt. Oh, fix, oh, and my wife. Oh, God Almighty, will you please? No, I'm just, and I mean, I'm not saying that flippantly. No. I was trying to get a response at her. She's going to throw a shoe at me here. At home, not in front of y'all. She's sweet here. No, I'm just joking, but I'm messing with it. But literally, if, if you judge others by yourself and you find what you look for, first of all, you judge others by yourself. If you want to see a better world, if you judge others by yourself and you want to see a better family, who, who, do you, who needs to change? You do. If you judge others by yourself, because we already know you can find what you look for, guaranteed. So if you want to have a better looking world, man, you change yourself. And you start seeing it from God's perspective. A pastor, old preacher said one time, he was, it was an illustration I can't forget because I was brand new and didn't even understand Christian lingo. And I just thought it was kind of weird. He said, this old man went and all he wanted to do was rest in his favorite chair, in his favorite room, in his favorite temperature, and his favorite sounds. And he just leaned in the chair. Everything was his favorite. And while he was sleeping, these snotty-nosed little kids took Limburger cheese. Anybody know what Limburger cheese is? (laughs) The worst smelling cheese in the universe. Even cheese lovers don't like. And they rubbed it in his mustache. (laughs) All of a sudden, he woke up. This chair stinks. This room stinks. This place stinks. And everywhere he went, did what? Stunk. But did every place he went stink? And his chair stink? No, what stunk? His perspective stunk. And I'm just saying from some of y'all's faces, y'all got some Limburger cheese in your mustache. You know, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what's got to change sometimes. And, and that's what he's saying, man. When God convicts us, pray for, pray for you. God, help me be a better husband. Help me be a better daddy. Help me be a better wife. Help me be a better aunt. Help me be a better neighbor. Help me be a better God. When God reveals these flaws, it's not to beat you down. It's to make you more like him. And that's his purpose, man. Instead of focusing on them, I'd focus on me. I would do more things together with them. More things together with your family. I would encourage them more and bestow more praise. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with surf trips. And now I'm kind of too old for surf trips, I think. But man, I, I could name, not you're not one of them, Eric, but I could name guys out in the surf because I've asked Chuck, hey, what about that guy? What about, and these are guys that every chance they had, they took a surf trip, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, somewhere like, well, what's wrong with that? Well, what was wrong with it? They used family vacation money. They used family bill money. They used, they took time that they owned, they had a choice of spending this time with their family or spending it with the guys surfing. They showed, what did they show was most important in their life? Surfing, you know? And again, many of those guys don't have their families. I really don't necessarily want to go to Costa Rica and surf or anything. I'd rather be with my family. If my family can't go with me, I don't really want to be there anyways. I love my family. I like being with them. 
Now they may feel a little different. <laughs> I'm not hiking with you anymore because because I know I'm not the, you know, I was walking with Alana from Keone's swim practice the other day. And Alana's steps are about this big, mine are this big, my wife's are this big, but <laughs> I'm walking with Alana and we're walking literally at this pace right here. And you know what I was thinking? It's like in a few years, that's going to be pretty reversed. She's going to be running and I'm going to say, Alana, remember when I walked with you when you were slow? And that's what, remember when I used to walk, remember when I, I used to paddle you guys out and push you? Remember when I used to take you hiking and, you know, remember, hi and all that, and you'd be like, Daddy, wait, I can't catch. Now it's, Ashley, wait up, I can't catch up. But it's funny how it all said, and I was just praying, saying, God, I pray that Alana would be as patient with me as I'm being with her, because I don't really want to be <laughs> at this point. But I'm praying, but I was enjoying every month. Everybody walked by and go, oh, how cute. And I'm like, yeah, I know. She's all right, too. But no, I, was like, no. <laughs> I was like walking over, you know, I was like, I just say, Lana, you take as long as you want. Because honestly, at that point, the more I thought about it and saw it from God's perspective, the more I was treasuring each one of those steps. Because if we were running, we'd have missed a bunch. I was treasuring them. I'd encourage them to be more uh, the more and bestow more praise, kids go to the ones who praise them. I've watched it for years, a youth pastor, the children, they, they gravitate to the people that praise them. Who do you gravitate towards? Well, I gravitate towards one who just rips me up every time I go to say, do you really? No, the people are always ripping you up. You're kind of avoiding them. How many of y'all like when somebody has something nice to say about you? And again, it's not being conceived or whatever. I'm just saying you want people to lift you up, to encourage you. That's what we're supposed to be. We're going to see in Scripture. I would pay more attention to the little things. Little things, dude. Little things. And you got to listen to the little things to pay attention to the little things. But so often we blow off the little things. And again, this is not just with kids. This is with each other. This is what this guy says. I like deeds and words and thoughtfulness. And then finally, and this is what the theme or the motto of our church is that God gave us. If I had to do it all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family. Isn't that what we're doing in the first part of this service? Sharing God intimately with our family. Every ordinary thing that happens in every ordinary day, I would use it to direct them to God. Isn't that what we do when we go paddleboarding? Isn't that what we do when we go on the boat? Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing with everything? Wow, is turning it into a moment to see God, to see life from his perspective. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And this is anonymous. So look at this super quick because we've already kind of talked about most of all this. First of all, who's he talking to? Children. Who here's a child? All right. You are a child of God, so you can apply this here. You are a child to your parents, which either may or may not be alive. And if you're out of their house, you guys are still freeloading off your parents' house, and it's okay with your parents. They, they said it's all right. But, but once you're out of your parents' house, you don't owe them obedience. You only owe them respect. Right now, you owe them both, bro. <laughs> you better live by your dad's rules, right? They don't live by the rules, buddy. Boom, we're out of here. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's why Emily's like, I am getting out of here. <laughs> I don't care what I have to do. I'm moving. <laughs> I'm getting out of the house. Because right, she's in the house, and, and not that she's rebellious, but the fact is, is children obey your parents. It's simple. Children obey your parents. This is not scholarly. But it is kind of because this word obey is a Greek word that means to hear under something to hear under. So you put yourself under authority and you hear what they say and you do it. 
So you hear under. That's what disobey means. So in order for children to obey Julio, what must be true of the one over them? They're giving them something to, to hear. Yeah, they're giving them something to hear. Well, we do that. We're always shouting out rules. We're always saying, man, if you don't do this, we're going to kill you. You don't do it. No, I'm just, I'm just telling what I hear at a Walmart grocery store in Fort Pierce. I'm just saying. But, <clears throat> but literally, years and years of being a youth pastor and doing family counseling before I moved here. When I moved here, now I do retirement counseling because retirement's where everybody retires at a time when they don't want anything to change and they change everything in their life. And it's like, that's what's happened. But back then it was all youth and family. And I'm going to give you a super secret here. Here was something that kept coming up over and over and over and over again. I had a model for them that the top of the model was a, a P, which meant peace. How many of y'all want peace in your home? You want peace in your home? Uh, you guys still got my little napkin, right? You know, premarital counseling right there. You thought, oh, this is stupid. But I bet you looked at it. You're using it, man. Peace. You want peace in your home. If you want peace in your home, you got to have R. R is rules. So here's the bottom part of the triangle. You want peace, you got to have rules. How many of y'all agree? Got to have rules. Because otherwise, you got anarchy, right? And there is no peace with anarchy because somebody's going to violate your comfort zone and somebody's not going to be comfortable with your choices. So the group has to have rules. But in order to have rules, you have to have consequences consistently enforced. And then you will have peace. So check this out. You got a P, which stands for what? You got an R that stands for? And then you got a C, which stands for? Consistently enforced. That's the important part. All right, basketball game. Uh, basketball game. Uh, one team, okay? It's a football season, but it doesn't really matter. But one team, basketball. Somebody, LeBron James, grabs the ball, and he takes five steps. Yes, they're poetic steps. He takes 10 steps, 20 steps, 30 steps, and dunks it. And they don't, what are they supposed to call on him? Traveling, right? So the next guy, I mean, isn't that the rule? You got a rule. You take more than one and a half, two steps, or whatever it is in basketball now. You, that's traveling. The point doesn't count. Give the ball to the other team. Now they get to do it right. The other team, you're supposed to dribble, right? You're supposed to dribble. Well, the other team just saw what happened. So they throw an inbound pass like a touchdown. And the guy goes up and he spikes it. Boom, reverse dung, spike. And they go, traveling. They didn't call it on LeBron, but they just called on this guy. What do you have now? And especially if it's the last call in the game. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you football fans, y'all like Alabama or Auburn? Which one of y'all? Are y'all? Al oh, yeah, you got even... You got to even ask. No, it's like, that's what you have to do with Alabama people. When you move to Alabama, you got to choose one, dude. You got to choose one, man. Yeah. How upset have fans been over one bad call in an Alabama football game? Yeah, and Auburn fans more often because they don't have as good a record as Alabama. But I'm just saying, but Florida, Florida. Uh, seriously, one bad call in an athletic event. And what do you have? Do you not have chaos? Now, I mean, there's referees got to be, you even have instant replay now, right? To get the call right in the Little League World Series. How many of y'all need instant replay in your home <laughs> to get the call right? You know what I'm saying? So the P stands for what? The, the, in order to have peace, you got to have rules. But in order to have rules, you have to have them enforced consistently. If they're not enforced consistently, do you have rules? And if you don't have rules, you don't have how about the speed limit? <laughs> how about the speed limit? What is the speed limit? And where, how, who, how do you know what the speed limit is? 
Pat, how do you know? Ooh, okay, Mr. Rule Follower. There's a sign right there, okay? Living in your little fantasy world right there, but I'm not messing with you. That is the legal limit for the law, right? But what is the real speed limit, y'all? What is consistently enforced? That's the, new, that's the real speed limit, what's consistent. And what if everybody's blowing by you and you're going two miles an hour over speed limit and the cop stops you and gives you a ticket? Oh, you're mad. <laughs> yeah, you are. Oh, you've had experience with this? No, I'm just like, yeah, you're mad. Because it wasn't consistently enforced, I'm following traffic. So again, imagine how many bad calls there are in your home, in your marriage and in your home and in your family. And look in your job when they change the rules. You can adapt to anything except, ah, they changed it again, right? So imagine that if there's that much problem with bad calls in an athletic game, how inconsistent is your family? And I would have people come into my office and I'd say, this is when cell phones first started. Remember how you had to pay per digit? Well, this is even before, this was pagers, whatever, but phone, phones, talking to girlfriends. I'd be like, that was what the argument was about. And the parents, I'd say, well, parents, you know, what's the problem? Well, they're on the phone with that girl all the time. And I'd be like, well, how long are they allowed to be on that phone with that girl? Well, they know. And I'm like, well, do you know? Well, oh, they know. And I'm like, okay, so how long are you supposed to be on? I don't know, man. It always changes, you know? And I'm like, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. First session, we're going to set a time limit. Is five minutes enough? Oh, no way. How about four hours? Is that enough? Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Three hours, two hours, one, half hour. Okay. And we come up with a rule. And okay, so what's the consequence that's going to be consistently enforced if they violate that rule? Oh, <gasps> I don't want to be a mean parent. <laughs> A consequence for a phone? I'm like, well, we're in here over a phone. That seems to be the issue. How about that we bury you in the backyard up to your neck, put honey on your head, and let the ants eat it off? Well, isn't that a little severe? And I'm like, well, one of the parents are like, no, that's pretty good. And the other parents are like, no, that's severe. And even among parents, you got opposites, so the parents have to get on the same team. And they have to be on a team, not with the kid referee, and they've got to be on the same team in the bedroom somewhere else away from the kids coming up with, this is how we're going to deal with it. This is what the rule is. This is what the consequence is. We are both going to consistently enforce. Otherwise, what are the kids going to do, Jeff? Yeah, I'm going to go to daddy. He'll say yeah, or the girls will at least. No, <laughs> I'm going to go to mama. She'll say yeah. Anybody ever been played by their kids? Yeah, if you all aren't on the same page. Have you ever even said something like this to the kids? Ooh, don't let daddy know, but we're going to do this. Ashley, I'm not picking on you. <laughs> or, 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 hey, don't let mom know. Dude, what have you just told your kids? There's no team. If I can't trust my parents, man, if I can play my parents, man, there's no, there's no security in this world if I, if, if, I can't, if I can't trust this. This is where you're building, you're building the security for your kids. You're building it in your own relationships. This is how it's got to be. So children, obey your parents. It's, it's in the Lord. If you're going to be a child and you're going to be obedient to the Lord, then you obey your parents, unless they're telling you to do something against Scripture. Youth pastor back in the day. Hey, that come in, like, man, I'm going to get a Bible verse tattooed right on my face, and my parents don't want it. Give me the scripture where it's not legal. It's legal to have tattoos all over. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're not even going to go there on the tattoo. 
Because honestly, I'm just going to tell you right now, in Leviticus, that one about tattoos or whatever, it was talking about you know foreign god slavery, all that. And you can do what you want with your body on tattoo and all that. All I'm saying is that what that butterfly on the back is going to be a, never mind, <laughs> later. But I got nothing against tattoos in this, but you know what I had? It was the easy argument with the kids. Do your parents not want you to have it? No. Then there's your answer. You're disobeying God if you want something your parents don't want you to have. Case closed. But you're backing me up. I don't care. It's not about the tattoo. It's about obeying your parents. Now, if you and your parents want to come in and talk about a tattoo, we'll talk about that and blah, 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 whatever. But it's, it's about obeying your parents. And if you're going to be under their house, you're in their, under, you owe them that obedience. If you're not in their house, you owe them that honor. Honor's an attitude that, wow, you got, I got your genes. You kind of maybe know what my next move is, even though I used to not think so. What would you do in this? How would you handle this? Get some, they get some wisdom from you. Obey your parents in the Lord. He said, this is right. This is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. Obedience is the action. Honor is the attitude that you do it with. And you're supposed to have both. And that's the same thing with God. I'm going to go do what God told me to do. (laughs) But it's like, no, dude, I'm pretty stoked to go do what God told me to do because he's the expert at everything. So I want to do what God wants me to do. That's honor and obey. The other is just obedience, and it ain't going to last very long. Honor your father, your mother. He said this is the first commandment of the promise, commandment number five. In fact, you guys remember what's the first commandment? Super quick. First commandment. Uh, don't, have, don't have any God, go Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, I believe it is, but he said, yeah, don't, don't have any other gods beside me. And then he goes on and explains a little bit. Don't have any other gods. So if, Barb, we don't have any other gods, who's our God? God's our God, right? We have no other gods. And then the second thing he said, oh, and by the way, don't try to make statues of me or pictures of me. Wouldn't it be awesome, Kristen, if right now your kids tried to draw pictures and mold clay statues of you right now? You'd be like, wait a minute. It'd be interesting on their opinion and perspective. Yeah, but, but God's like, yeah, I don't want to be known by a physical characteristic or whatever. I want you to know me by my character, by my word. So don't try to paint a picture of me. Don't try to make a graven image. I know you're a human and you want something tangible, but I'm spiritual. I want you to fall in love with who I am. That's commandment number two. And then he says, and don't take the Lord's name in vain. You're like, whoo, I don't say that word no more. Well, wait a minute. Vain means worthless, right? So don't make God's name worthless. Instead, we need to make his name worth what? More. So if, you're making, if you do actions and you do things that make his name worth less, you're taking it in vain. We should instead be trying to do everything with the idea, including in our families, to make his name worth more. That's the third one. Then the fourth one, what is the fourth one? Sabbath said, go to Sabbath. And that's the only one of the 10 that is not repeated in the New Testament. And if you ever want to have lunch and talk about why we don't do the Sabbath, it's why you're here on Sunday instead of Saturday and all these other things. We are not told that we have the Sabbath was a gift given to the Israelites that in an agricultural community, God would take care of their cows. He would take care of their crops. He would take care of everything in the world. Go, whoa. Now there's principles we can apply. But all over the New Testament, Paul, Peter, John, dude, don't let people judge you by Sabbath, why whatever. We, what day do we worship, y'all? Oh, yes, thank you. I am so glad we didn't hear Sunday. <laughs> I'm so glad because you'd be a mess if that's the only time you ate or worship. Man, we worship every day because we're free. But anyways, we're not going into that. Fifth commandment, honor 
your father and mother. So why do we honor God? Why? Nate, if for no other reason, why do we honor and obey our parents? Because God said so, right? God said, how I many all love that when your parents said, because I said so. Isn't that the greatest answer they can give you? That's not what you were looking for. But do it. And honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. And look what the promise he says, that it may go what? So if you want it to go horrible, don't. I'm just saying. He said, if you want it to go well, what do you do? Honor and obey your parents. If you don't want it to go well, then disobey them. Move out of the house now while you still know everything. You ever seen that meme? <laughs> you 17, 18-year-olds, get out while you still know everything. Because <laughs> later you won't. It's, it's, it's different. It may go well with you and you live a long life. Now, again, it doesn't mean everybody who's had their life taken short, it doesn't mean that they lived a bad life, that they were disobedient to God. But you know what this long process, do you agree that somebody who's a child who's obedient to God is going to have a, oh, a nourished life, a more fulfilled life? Someone who obeys God is going to have a more fulfilled life than someone who doesn't. You got... You, it doesn't, I'm not talking about length of life, but when you are walking with God, is it better for you than when it's not? So a child who walks is going to have a better life, even if it's only internally. It may not be externally, but, and it doesn't mean it's going to be super long, but someone is going to have an enriched life. That's the word I'm looking for. And the one who doesn't live for God, is not, their life's not going to be as enriched. That's what he's talking about. It may go well with you and with, and you'll live long in the land. Fathers, look at this, and we're done, I promise. Fathers. And he could be talking to both parents, but especially fathers. Why would he call, why would he talk to fathers, Andy? Yeah, because fathers are the ones that he puts in charge. Yeah. They're the ones that are going to be accountable. You ever have your, you have a boss at work? Uh, probably a couple of them. You got boss at home, boss at work. It's a good deal. You just do whatever they say, but yeah, so if the boss at work tells you to do something, you do it and it doesn't work out. I mean, it's kind of on them, isn't it? But then in their meetings, they blame it on you, and then they find out the truth. And No, but, but yeah, it's on them. You, he's holding fathers accountable. Fathers, look at this. Do not provoke your children to anger. In Colossians chapter 3, I want to say verse 21, you can look it up. It talks about, it, it talks about um, provoking them to discouragement. What's the opposite of discouragement, y'all? encouragement. So read it that way. Fathers, encourage your children. How about we just go there? Kevin, man, I know you can handle that big cockpit on that DC-10, and you can take it apart, put it back together, but you fix get another button on your cockpit, bro. I'm just saying, and that's good. Do you think it's going to add anything to the chemistry at home that you have so perfectly wired right now with all the other kids? And I've eaten lunch with you, so don't lie. I'm just saying, you know how three, you're adding another button to that cockpit. And, and instead of freaking out, man, it's like, okay, God wants me to encourage them. And what does it mean when we encourage somebody, we put what in them? Courage. And you know, the only way I can encourage you, Daryl, you know the only reason I can call you, encourage you, Daryl, right? Daryl, Daryl, I ain't picked on you all day. If I made you a promise, oh, dude, it's going to be okay. Let me kiss your boo-boo, man. No, it's like, a, you didn't know what mom said, and we just believed it or whatever until like, that eh, didn't really make it better. But, um, but, but the only real encouragement I have for you, the only way I can really put courage in you is tell you a promise from God. 
because I give you that promise from God, whose responsibility is it to carry it out? God. And is he going to carry it out? Yes. The only way we can encourage anyone all the time is with God's promise and get them to wait for that to be fulfilled. And so he says in this, when he says, don't provoke your children to anger, but instead look at it this way. Fathers, encourage your kids. What are things that encourage them? How about listening to those little things? How about instead of yanking Alana along the street, giving her road rash because she's not walking fast enough, getting her up to my pace? How about just walking with her? How about listening to the fifth explanation she has on my lack of hearing and her language as a toddler, you know, and not, and really wanting to hear what she says. And it's so valuable. Only thing I hear from her that I really already know for sure. She goes, dude, dude, dude. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) she wants me. I'm grand dude to him. So Keone used to say grandard, <laughs> grandard. And I'm like, all right, that's what a kid born in Alabama would say. <laughs> he was, he was born in Dothan, but he's been here his life. But he grandard, but now it's like, she's like, dude. And I'm like, oh, music to my, she got me rap, man. <laughs> it's, it's good. So does Keone. But to pay attention and listen. And there were times yesterday I had things to do. I couldn't afford that time. Or could I? What's more important? You start weighing your options. And you know what I did? I shut up and I listened because that was more important. So I said, encourage your children. Bring them up. Nurture them. That's what we're supposed to be. We're putting courage in them and we're nurturing them in the discipline. Discipline includes some physical correction. Uh, I tell Keone sometimes, oh, do I need to tap your behind to loosen up that junk in your ear so you can hear? does God ever need to tap your behind, open up your ears a little better to listen? That's called correction. In fact, in Proverbs, it says, foolishness is built up in the heart of a child. All right, you guys are children of God. How many of y'all say you got some foolishness in your heart? You liars or you're tired and sleeping, man. I'm just saying, foolishness in your heart. Let me see your hand. Admit, Say, God, I have foolishness in my heart. Let me hear that, man. Yep, all right. There you go. Foolishness in my heart. He says it's bound up in your heart. It's there. It's natural. But he says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. And that word rod in the Hebrew is anything from a twig to a battle club. How many of y'all have had a hard time hearing the twig and God's had to break out the battle club on you? Yeah. Yeah. And how many of y'all would advise your children, please don't make them break out the battle club. Please listen to the twig. (laughs) And that's what this is talking about. Man, you're admonishing them. You're loving them. You're you're encouraging them. You're lifting them up. And can you not do this with the neighbor kids? Can you not do this with the kids in the line at Walmart when their parents aren't doing it? No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Don't do it there. You can say some loving, encouraging things, but there's a whole world that needs your encouragement out there. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of who? Oh, wait, not Dr. Spock. Wasn't he the dude who messed it all up to begin with? There has been plenty since Satan, but man, so where do we get instructions for kids? Where do we get it? The Word of God. That's it. It's all there. But you got to read it. You got to look for it. And I'm going to tell you, the book of Proverbs is invaluable. There was 20 years of my life. It wasn't the only thing I read, but every morning I got up 
and I read Proverbs and asked God to give me one verse. And whatever stuck out, I looked for a way to apply that in my life that day. And it was not only through raising kids, but it was dealing with tough situations in my job. It was in dealing with tough neighbors, tough situations. Having God's wisdom, Proverbs is so rich. Now you can read all kinds of other stuff, but don't neglect that one first thing in the morning or whenever you want to do it. If you wait till lunch, you're going to wish you'd had it first thing before you had lunch. I'm just saying it's valuable. But he said, it's not the only place you're going to get the instruction, but it's a great place to start. It was written for that. So discipline and instruction. And what came first, discipline or instruction in that discipline? Isn't that how it works in our life sometimes? The pain to, until the pain to change is less than the pain to stay the same. We don't change. When that pain to change is now less, we change. So that's verse four. <laughs> so the point is, is, if you're a child of God, obey your father, learn from him. Just because you don't have physical children right now, there's plenty of children out there that need some parenting. Would you not agree? That are out there that have no instruction. And if you have the ability, the par- uh, you know, obviously be wise in that. But man, those of you that have your children, those of you fixing to get another button on your cockpit, man, I'm just saying, <laughs> this is where it's at. So husbands, love you wives like Christ loved the church. Wives, respect your husbands. Let your kids see all that going on and teach them how to obey. Because if they don't obey in this scenario, they're not going to obey in any scenario. And that's why the world's a mess right now. Because everybody's growing up to be a man just like their mama. Because they weren't taught how to obey. You go ask any of my school teachers in here about the obedience stuff. Go ask, go, go look at the differences now. And the fact is the difference is there's nobody teaching them how to obey. So if your parent do it, grandparents, love them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. And Father, there's a lot said today, a lot going on. And um, Father, I don't even know how to simplify any of it. But I got to believe that everyone heard something that they need to chew on something that they need to apply. And Father, um, um, I just pray that we would take whatever it is your Holy Spirit is speaking to us about, and uh, we would ask you how you want us to apply it, and we would be faithful to do it. Because you as our Heavenly Father um, are the expert at everything, and we'd be foolish not to obey you. So thank you for giving us this word. Thank you for giving us these principles. Help us to consistently obey you, not out of fear we're getting swatted, but because we love you and we trust you. Grow that faith in us. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.